and welcome to Three Zebras in a Pod. My name is Kelsey Fall, but many of you know me as Miss Wonderful. Before my diagnosis, I was a licensed massage therapist, unicyclist, and local circus performer in Nebraska. Now I'm on disability and in the process of starting a business, Wonderful Creations, in hopes to no longer need disability assistance in the future. I am joined here today with two other amazing zebras, Ryan and Lucy. Please introduce yourselves. My name is Ryan Hussein. I'm a 39-year-old EDSer. I was diagnosed 11 years ago with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome Type 3 hypermobile, as well as some crossover symptoms from EDS Classical. Hi, my name is Lucy Losser. I'm the founder of the Mind Wielders Artist Collective, an artist, a puzzle maker, pianist, composer, and a trans woman running for Congress in Washington State. I've struggled with back pain, joint problems, and other symptoms since childhood, and only recently at age 29 got diagnosed with HEDS. First off, thank you both for helping make this podcast possible. In today's episode, we are going to discuss what are the Ehlers-Danlos Syndromes and how hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome has affected each one of our lives. Sit back, enjoy, and if we're lucky, maybe we'll all learn a little something by the end. (laughs) So what are the Ehlers-Danlos Syndromes? EDS is defined as a group of connective tissue disorders where the genes produce defective connective tissues that change how the connective tissues behave within the body. For example, ligaments, collagen, and even organs. There are currently 13 variances being studied. 12 of which have known genetic markers to help diagnose. HEDS, or hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, currently has no known genetic markers. So when was EDS discovered and how was it named? Ryan, would you like to introduce us to when EDS was first founded? Absolutely. Um, The first instance of hypermobility, extreme hypermobility, that was recorded was described by Hippocrates in around 400 BC, I believe. Subsequently, at around the turn of the 20th century, you had two physicians. One was Edward Ehlers from Denmark, the other being André Alexandre Danlos from France. And both of them had patients that displayed the same, uh, connective tissue uh, deficiencies and symptoms such as stretchy skin, severe joint laxity, things of that nature. And at the turn of the 20th century, around that, that period of time, they got together and consolidated their notes and realized that what they were looking at was in fact a connective tissue disorder called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, which was subsequently named after both. So from the time it was defined by Ehlers and Danlos, there were five subtypes up until the next time the criteria changed, which was in 1988 when the Berlin, I believe it's called Nosology, was published. And it changed the amount of subtypes from five to 11. The next time the criteria changed was in 1997, and the Berlin nosology was replaced by, let me get this right, I believe it is Villefranche, or Villefranche, don't know if it's French. (laughs) 
the next time that it changed was the most recent in 2017 by the International Consortium on Ehlers-Danlos Syndromes. And that revision went from six uh, variances up to 13. They also redefined hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome more critically so they could try to, in hopes, find a genetic marker, which, as many of us know, has made some people lose their HEDS diagnosis and gain a hypermobility syndrome disorder diagnosis, also known as HSD. It's it's actually hypermobility spectrum disorder. And since the 2017 revision of the diagnostic criteria for EDS, as well as the inception of hypermobility spectrum disorder as a diagnosis, both have garnered uh, much criticism from both the EDS community as well as other doctors and geneticists and specialists. I know they're still doing a lot of research on it and they will be updating the criteria, I believe, within the next year, if I'm not mistaken, or at least, you know, every two years to improve not only diagnosis, but also assistance for those who have the conditions. Uh, Another thing I wanted to make sure that we mentioned is that there are so many variances in symptoms and uh, just severity within each condition. So the three of us, we have hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, but we each have like different types of aches or pains or you know, I might have issues that Lucy doesn't or that Ryan doesn't. And so it's really important to note that if you are seeing somebody else who has a more severe condition, that your experience is just as valid. And uh, I know that's something that I personally struggled with when I was younger. So I wanted to make sure I got that in here. Yeah, it took me a while to finally accept that um that I had limitations and I had to do something about it. Yeah, it's it's really easy for us to second guess ourselves, especially when some of us have been gaslit or been told we were hypochondriacs by medical professionals. Yeah, we lose confidence in the reality of our symptoms after we've been given the runaround by so many different doctors, doctors who will say one thing and then other doctors who will say something else, it leads us to believe that maybe we are not experiencing the symptoms that our body perceives to be experiencing. Absolutely, because most of us are issues are not visible. This is, for many, an invisible disability. And unless we are using our cane or other mobility aids or wearing our braces, we're going to look just fine. I wanted to share along those lines um, my last appointment with my physical therapist because um, she had never seen me in a pain flare. Um, so she didn't quite understand um, exactly what it what it meant. 
So when I finally got to see her in person again after video visits during the pandemic and I just happened to be in a pain flare, um, she was able to understand more of what my body needs right now um, in order to, to cope with what's going on. Oh, absolutely. Pain flares are, man, they, they really put an effect on your mental ability to cognitively function. And then also the amount of physical pain that we're in, a lot of medical providers are very surprised when it uh, pops up or if it lasts more than a few days. And for me, um, I have a really high pain tolerance, so I don't tend to make a big deal of it. So I think that's part of why people often assume that my that my pain is not that serious. Well, I think there are a lot of EDSers that do the same thing because if we responded with how we felt with our pain on a regular basis, I mean, it's, it's hard to just have regular conversations. I don't know about either of you, but I constantly find myself saying, Hey, did you hear that? That was my shoulder. That was my ankle. That was my knee. <laughs> like I'm constantly. Oh yeah. People, people definitely comment on my, my, um, very loud elbow cracks when I hug them. Yes. I am constantly putting my joints back in place, which sounds gross, but it's facts. <laughs> yeah. Th that was another thing we talked about on my last appointment. Um, it turns out that I've just by, just by trial and error over the years figured out how to align my joints, um, in ways that my physical therapist would have taught me to do if I hadn't already figured it out. Yeah. Exactly. Well, one thing I really want to get into real quick is that I want to point out that each variance has some differences, but it is a good bet to check out your Baton score if you think that this is something that you might have. If you look up EDS and you realize that, you know, oh, I've got stretchy skin, etc. The Baton score test is the current test they have for testing EDS where they see the flexibility of your wrist, some of your fingers, your knees, and kind of like your hips and lower back. And my best recommendation would be that you or the loved one you expect uh, or suspect has EDS is to get an appointment with a geneticist. That is your best bet for getting a diagnosis. And if you don't feel like you are being heard at any doctor's office, get a second opinion. Like, please. <laughs> so... Ryan, I, if you don't mind, I would love to hear how you were diagnosed and how EDS has affected your life. Well, what happened to me was back in 2010, when I was 28 years old, I was a music teacher and I was on winter vacation and I got up one morning and my hip slipped out of socket and it was the first time I had really had a full-on joint dislocation. So I ended up in the ER, and the ER doctor referred me to a rheumatologist. The rheumatologist looked over my entire body, made me perform the Baton scale, uh, Baton scale items, and after noticing skin discoloration, stretchy skin, striated tissue, Mind you, I've never been overweight. 
he referred me to a geneticist and a genetic counselor, which is where I was diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos. So since getting your diagnosis, how has EDS impacted you? Have you been able to get more assistance because of your diagnosis? Yes, I have. Uh, since my diagnosis, I've received uh, help in uh, various ways. I have a caretaker now. I have a social worker. I have a team of doctors and specialists who I go to for updates, checkups, uh, things of that nature, MRIs, x-rays, treatment if I dislocate something and I can't get it back in, and uh, physical therapy, which I'm in right now. After diagnosis, my symptoms got worse, and it got to the point where I had to quit my music teaching career and I had to, uh, I had to put to rest any idea of being a jazz musician in my city, which, you know, I had worked so hard towards. Yeah, absolutely. And that is an experience that a lot of EDSers or as the, um, EDS community calls themselves medical zebras <laughs> experience. And, Real quick before I, Lucy, before I ask you about your experiences, I wanted to quickly explain where the zebra comes from in EDS. A lot of doctors are taught in medical school that when you hear hoofbeats, think horses, not zebras. And us EDSers, we are not often diagnosed correctly. We are misdiagnosed frequently with anxiety depression or something else. And it usually takes several years, even decades for many of us to get diagnosed. And that is why we have adopted the zebra as our mascot, so to speak. So if any of you are really confused by the use of the term zebra, (laughs) there you go. That's where it comes from. Uh, Now that I got that out of the way, Lucy, what has been your experience with EDS and when and how were you diagnosed? Well, when I was a kid, I was pretty bendy. Um, I was known for being able to twist my head around almost 180 degrees. Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> it's not quite that flexible anymore, mostly due to muscle stiffness. But um, I I got into lots of, uh, lots of scrapes where I injured my joints and stuff. And by the, by my teens, I was having a lot of severe back pain. Um, I would also have issues whenever I try to throw something, my shoulder would pop out Mm. if I threw too hard. And so I just had more and more, more and more joint pain throughout my teens and twenties. Um, I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety, depression. Um, I was having, uh, started having more digestive issues. Um, and so after years of going to doctors and ruling out a whole bunch of things, um, I was finally sent to a genetic counselor and uh, diagnosed last September. That's wonderful. Has getting your diagnosis helped you with your treatment in any way? A little bit. I finally started um, appointments with a physical therapist who's familiar with EDS. Um, my, my younger sister also got diagnosed and hopefully we'll have her on the podcast at some point. Oh, we'd love to have her. Well, what about yourself, Kelsey? What's your experience been with with your diagnosis? 
I was very, very athletic as a kid. Uh, also super clumsy, but I just thought it was like normal. I had really flat feet. I also thought that was just normal. So I did volleyball, basketball, track. I attempted soccer, hated the running. <laughs> you know, tried uh, softball, didn't like that either. But I was constantly trying new athletic things. I even clogged for a while, which my floppy feet and ankles, I mean, I thought it was, you know, I thought everybody had that pain when they clogged and I just, I wasn't good at controlling it. Turns out I just have floppy ankles, (laughs) but I even unicycled starting at the age of 10 and it wasn't until I want to say when I was 23, I started really noticing more issues with my knees and my uh, feet. I would get a lot of nerve pain. And at that point in time, I was in the process of getting my license for massage therapy. And after I was certified, I was having terrible, terrible pain in my arms and shoulders and in my hands. I felt like they were burning and there was shooting pain. So I actually went to several different doctors, uh, one of which told me I needed surgery in both of my hands. So I got a second opinion. The second opinion told me I didn't need surgery in my hands because the carpal bone of the carpal metacarpal joint was flat. And so that's why the ligament was overstretched in both of my hands. So I got a third opinion. I'm telling you guys, get multiple opinions if you're not sure because I might have had surgery when I didn't need it. And I am so thankful that I got that third opinion, which happened to be a geneticist who was also my pediatrician growing up. So when I was younger, he told me that I would never be able to play college sports because my joints were too loose. But we didn't think anything beyond that because I wasn't complaining of pain or discomfort. So at this point, he started asking me all these random questions like, oh, can you touch your thumb to your forearm? Like, oh, is your skin soft? Is it stretchy? I'm like, what does this have to do with my shoulder? (laughs) These are so random. And it wasn't until uh, he told me that I had hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome that I realized he was testing me for a specific condition. And I was so excited that I had a diagnosis and it immediately turned to like, first of all, can you repeat that? Cause I don't know what those words are. Ehlers-Danlos, like I couldn't even say it correctly. And then it was like, oh wait, this is something that can't be fixed. Crap. <laughs> so that really threw my world kind of upside down. I had to quit doing massage therapy. I had to limit the unicycling and the performing that I did. And it got to the point where I had to change my careers multiple times to the point where I was finally at a desk job and my symptoms were getting so much worse that I couldn't even do the desk job, not only because of EDS, but also the comorbidities or um, other conditions, chronic conditions that are commonly found with EDS. Uh, when those started popping up, I was not able to function at a desk job. So that is why I am currently on disability and in the process of attempting to work again now that I've gotten my medications 
in order. And I've been able to see physical therapists and specialists. I even got to go to Mayo Clinic back in 2019 or 2018 and was able to get my specific diagnosis for hyperadrenergic postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, which is a common comorbidity with EDS. So getting my diagnosis really helped with not only getting treatment for EDS, but all of the comorbidities alongside that as well. Yeah, I had to quit my desk job because of the because of the symptoms as well. I'm still trying to get disability. Um, just recently had my hearing. Oh, sorry, you said hearing, and I thought you meant like your <laughs> hearing checked. And I, it literally took me that long to process. Oh, you mean like a hearing? <laughs> oh man, sometimes it takes me a bit. Don't mind me. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Well, uh, I, I do want to ask both of you guys, what are you hoping to, that we provide our listeners, you know, with this podcast? Like, what is it that you want to share with everyone moving forward? My hopes for this podcast is that we provide the listener with some semblance of uh, camaraderie, that they are not alone. I also hope that we provide resources and we provide information and uh, help EDSers through this arduous journey in, in any way possible uh, by spreading a very positive message while at the same time being uncompromisingly authentic. Yeah, I would, I would just agree with all that. I, this is all pretty new to me, so I'm mostly along for the ride and just sharing my own experience. Yeah, you are very newly diagnosed. I remember the, the first time I was aware of EDS, I learned about it from uh, Book of World Records. So it was about like the guy with the stretchiest skin. Mm -hmm. And so when I heard about EDS later, I thought because my skin isn't very stretchy um, that I didn't have it because I wasn't aware of all the, the varieties um, well, and Especially when you think, when you first hear EDS, you just assume it's one thing and not a group of connective tissue disorders. So the fact that there's 13 different types, that in itself is overwhelming to try and understand. And I didn't mention this before, but when I was diagnosed in 2014, I was in denial for three years. I would tell people, oh, I might have this thing. I might not because... It seemed like, well, it's not as bad as what these people are like saying that they go through. It just took a couple years for it to catch up, you know, and now I can understand the severity differences and that every single person's experience is valid. And I completely agree with you, Ryan. I think the, the podcast, I really want to provide resources and share my experience whether that's things like, well, first of all, just bringing awareness to this condition, but also uh, sharing how I prepare for medical appointments or how you guys prepare for medical appointments, how we get our braces or what things 
what kind of mobility aids we prefer over others, you know, just kind of helping people who are not familiar with navigating the healthcare system because it is incredibly overwhelming. And let's be real, the United States could do a little bit better when caring for those with chronic conditions. So if there's anything that we can do to make that process a little bit easier for all of you, I hope this podcast can do that for you. Ryan, would you mind letting everyone know what we will be discussing in our next episode? Absolutely. So on the next podcast, we're going to be featuring my dear friend, Holly Clayton. And Holly is a college professor at a university up in Canada. She will be discussing what it's like to be the mother of an EDSer, what the genetic process of EDS inheritance is, how EDS is passed on, or how it can manifest in a first-generation person. She'll also be discussing the psychology behind EDS and pain, as well as uh, the connection between EDS and autism. And we really look forward to having her on the podcast. I'm very excited for our next episode because uh, not only understanding the genetics behind EDS, but also figuring out uh, things to pay attention to when it comes to uh, the mental health struggle that goes along with it. I feel like this is very important. And for people who are not familiar with what steps to take, this is going to be some very valuable information. Well, thank you both for helping make this podcast possible. I am so excited to have been able to do this with you guys today. Three Zebras in a Pod is produced in association with Mind Wielders Artist Collective, with music by Sun Dillicum. Your hosts are Kelsey Fall, Ryan Hussein, and Lucy Losser. To contact us with questions or comments, email 3zebraspod at gmail.com or go to edspodcast.org.